Well, when our children go for their worship time, uh, it seems like um, uh, more than half of our church disappears into a better time of worship. If you really want a good time of worship, it's good to join them. Don't you think so? I think it's the best. I, I wish I could do that as well, but, but I cannot. Um, I've, um, there are quite a few people that are visiting us, and um, I hope you um, find Redeemer Life to be a church home. This is the best church in the whole world. I've, I've been all over the world, and you won't find a church like Redeemer Life. Um, it, it's amazing. We, um, uh, you know, we, we have all kinds of things going on. Um, last week, um, we actually got to spend some time, those of us who were able to go for the midwinter, it, it's, a, it's an annual thing of the Evangelical Covenant Church where youth pastors, pastors um, uh, come from different parts of the world. So they came from um, Nepal and from Africa, but primarily from Canada and North America. Um, and uh, I was able to spend some time, those of us who were able to go spend some time with Pastor Peter. He looks very happy. He is doing very well in Connecticut, but he really, really misses us. And he says, I wish I could be there with you all because it's really my life. Um, so um, um, I had the opportunity of uh, uh, having dinner with him at Fogo de Chao. Uh, we were... Uh, 125 Asian, Asian American pastors, people from all over the world. Some, of, some people are missionaries in China, in Japan, in, in other parts of the world that came together. Peter Cha, who was among the first people that began an Asian American church as a part of the Covenant Church, was there. Um, um, Altizan, who will be coming here next week because I will be in India. I'll be traveling to India this coming week. So I would request your prayers. We're going to the slums of Mumbai and to Pune and, and places like that. So I, I would request your prayers. But you are getting an amazing preacher. Uh, preacher. Altizan is the head of Serve Globally. He is an amazing servant of God. Um, and um, uh, Serve Globally is the global missions uh, department of the Evangelical Covenant Church. He is, I think, one of the most important missiologists in the world. So, uh, and he's a good preacher. You know, sometimes scholars are like me; they're not good preachers. Um, but 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 he's a, he's an amazing preacher. So you'll have you'll have a lot of fun. Um, and. Um, so do, do pray for, um, for Pastor Peter. Um, and, and then on Thursday, we went to Pastor Peter's favorite restaurant. Guess what that is? So how many of you know what is Pastor Peter's? Those of you who have had me say that to you, don't say anything. <laughs> so, Sean? No, no, no. Someone else, someone else. Sorry? Something Indian. Um, I don't know if he does Indian restaurants. Does he do Indian restaurants? He probably doesn't. No, no. 
Pastor Peter does not. Joe has spoiled him. He's not going to Indian restaurants. <laughs> so someone else, someone else. He loves food. He is a foodie. And so we went there, Dennis, uh, uh, Shah, and I, and we sat there and we said, Peter, you order, and which is what he did. And it was amazing. Was well, Chef Ping's. Have you been to Chef Ping's? It's an amazing place. So we had dinner, and then we had fellowship, time of prayer, amazing worship, amazing worship. So those of you who were able to go there, you know, you, you got quite a treat. Um, and um, I would encourage us to continue to pray that God will provide the right uh, pastor uh, for you. I'm so thankful for the work of the search committee. This is hard work. And they have been at this for a long time. They get together every Friday and sometimes more than once a week. Uh, it's hard work and, 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 and so much responsibility on, on the search committee. So would you kindly spend time in prayer, in fasting, because this is very important. Um, for Redeemer Life, um, we, I also want to mention um, uh, people that have, that have come for uh, perhaps the first time, perhaps revisiting us. So there's Jimmy and Ina. Ina's with probably with the kids. Jimmy is sitting right at the back. Welcome, welcome to Redeemer Life. Um, and then there is uh, David and Kim, who have probably gone with the kids. So we're sitting there at the back. Um, are there others that I'm missing out? Oh, there's, there's, there's a, uh, there is uh, Sai and Jones. Sai and Jones with their two daughters. Welcome. Um, and, and Sai only talks in Hebrew. Please don't talk to him in any other language. Um, because he goes to that Trinity place. Do you know each other? No? Well, you should hug each other in a Trinity way. Um, that's what they do at Trinity. They hug each other all the time. Um, we need to be praying for a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, here's a letter that um, Angela very kindly forwarded to me. And I thought it would be important uh, for me to read this. It's from a pastor in Wuhan. And here's what he says. Um, two, two brothers and sisters in the world. He says, during these past days, the Wuhan virus has been at the center of my thoughts and life. I'm always watching the latest news and always thinking about how our family and the church should face this. It's horrible. It's truly horrible. As for family, I have gathered masks and foodstuffs and ventured out of doors as little as possible. When venturing out in public, I have worn a mask but as for the rest, I have placed it in the Lord's hands. Those masks do nothing, you know. Those masks don't protect you from anything. It's only meant for you not to give the virus to someone else. It's not meant for, it doesn't protect people. Um, as for the church, the safety of the congregation, a faithful witness, the possibility that members could contract the illness, 
have all become a great area of struggle. It's, it is readily apparent that we are facing a test of faith. The situation is so critical, yet we are trusting in the Lord's promises that his thoughts towards us are of peace and not evil, Jeremiah 29:11, and that he allows for a time of testing not to destroy us but to establish us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, do know that Christians are only to suffer with the people of this city, and that's what they're doing. So let's pray. Let's pray for um, our sisters and brothers in Wuhan. Um, let us also pray for, um, for um, Asian-American people all over the world, because what, what we are also seeing is um, not just Asian-American, but, but you know people who, who look like Asian people, because there is this thing in the world where people don't want to be around. One of my friends, he's so funny. He's a, he's a medical doctor. He was riding in a, uh, on a subway in, um, in New York City. You know how subways are, right? In New York City, it's so crowded. So for some, I think on a whim, he decided to sneeze, and then he muttered something in Mandarin. And the whole thing cleared around him, <laughs> so he was able to sit down. So, so these things happen both. This was an experiment he did. Uh, and I, I would say to him, Tim, come on, you know. <laughs> but, but it also says a lot, isn't it? We need to pray. We need to pray for complex dimensions of, um, of what's going on in the world, um, especially as uh, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how much is this... Um, going to last. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are impacted. And of course, the rest of the world is, 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 um, is saying, oh no, we're not going to let you people in, into our country. Well, we need to be praying. We need to be praying about um, a whole lot of stuff. So would you um, um, just um, you know, um, let, let's spend some moments in, in silence and then pray for our sisters and brothers in, in Wuhan, in China, and, um, and all over the world, people that are suffering. Oh Lord, we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world, there are germs, there are viruses, there are bacteria, there is cancer. There's so many things that we don't understand, oh Lord. And so we come to you and we pray very specially for our sisters and brothers in Wuhan, for our sisters and brothers in China who are suffering so much. Oh Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for a victory 
over this virus. We pray, Lord, that this virus would disappear so that our sisters and brothers in Wuhan would experience your healing touch. And then, O oh Lord, we pray for the governments of the world that are reacting in all sorts of ways, for people in other parts of the world who are reacting in ways that are not good. Oh Lord, help us to know how to influence society around us that we may be people that would exhibit the love of Jesus. And now, O Lord, as we turn to your word, we pray that you'd speak to us. Speak to us, O Lord, that we may know how to be in this world, how to be a witness in this broken world. In the name of Jesus, God, who became man to live in this world, who experienced all sorts of atrocities against him, all sorts of sin committed against him, who died for our sins, and yet who rose again for our justification. Therefore, enable us to live in this world. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, a couple of uh, weeks ago, um, I asked the question as to, you know, what is, what is the most important word in the Bible? And of course, there is Jesus, there's God, there's salvation, and, and all those words, which are very important words, and I wrote that, those down on this board that we have in front of us. And then I said, well, that perhaps the most important word is therefore. You remember that? Therefore. Because... If we know something about God, therefore, Jesus died, therefore. And so that is a word that's used over and over again in, 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 in the book of Philippians, the short book that we are going to go through. Um, I'll be going through two more chapters when I return from, from, from India. And then, of course, we go into the season of Lent. So we will be starting a new series after that. We are in, um, in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, uh, and you perhaps have those words there on the screen, isn't it? Maybe read this together. I think let's do that. Let's do that. I know our time is uh, not, not that long, but it's important to read God's Word. So would you arise and let's read this together? Remember, so there, there it begins with the word, therefore, and I would actually prefer that we read in front, instead of dear friends, we read the word beloved. It's agapetos in Greek, which should be translated as beloved. So let's read this together. Therefore, beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purposes. 
Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus. Of Jesus. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. So, let me go through ten therefores very quickly. I have two minutes to do that. Are you okay with that? <laughs> ten therefores in two minutes. <laughs> so, the first therefore, of course, has to do with, uh, therefore, God's sovereignty. The second therefore has to do with the therefore of human responsibility. And both of those go together. You know, the, uh, uh, theologians have argued about this all the time. You know, when things happen, is it because God does it or is it because human beings do it? Right? Uh, one says, one group of theologians who are called the Calvinists, they say, it's all God's sovereignty. Another group of theologians who are called Arminians, they say, no, it has nothing to do with God. You and I choose to do what is wrong or right. So who is right? Well, the therefore that, that Paul is going into here says, Therefore, beloved, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So that is our responsibility. For it is God who works in you to will and to be gregarious, to be gregarious in order to fulfill his good purposes. Both of those go together. God has given us salvation. God has poured in his, his life into our life. He died for our sins. Therefore, we ought to live according to that. And we do that with fear and trembling. That's a good thing. You know, it's, it's, it's what, I, what I've learned running these marathons. So, so um, um, one of my brothers, I won't mention names, brought the shirt for me. You know, this is the Chicago Marathon shirt, uh, which is a good shirt. And it's, uh, you, you, you enter into a marathon with fear and trembling, right? Those that have run the marathon, you enter into it with a lot of fear and trembling because you just don't know what's going to happen. 
You, you go up to the mountain. I climbed that Mount Monadnock on, on the East Coast. You do that with a lot of fear and trembling. Why? Because you just don't know what's going to happen. So fear is a good thing. Fear is a good thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to take God's salvation that he gives us, and we need to work that out into our lives. And that is called sanctification. And we will not be perfect till we are face to face with Jesus. Till then, therefore, live out your life. Therefore, live out your life. Therefore, let this, let this impact your life. And we do that with what, what I've called here is sacrificiality. We are beloved. The word beloved is very important because that's the word that is used of, of Abraham who's told by, by God that I want you to take your son, your beloved. Jesus is called the beloved. And that word that's used is used for mutual sacrificiality. So we, got, we read this letter from Wuhan, Wuhan province. And, and here's this pastor who's saying, I know that I had to suffer with the people. That's what church is. You know, we think that church is a place where we ought to have fun with each other, which is important. We need to have fun with each other, but we need to be prepared to suffer so that we stand alongside each other. So agapetos is the word that's used here. Then fourthly, it is a church that is full of auditionality. Auditionality, that means hearing. So out there the translation is that, that you obey. But, but the word in Greek is not about obedience. It, it is secondarily about obedience. Primarily it's hearing. We hear, that's the word in Hebrew also, Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. That is what we need to do. We need to hear God's voice because He hears. Why do we hear each other? You know, we are in the habit of talking to each other, right? Everyone wants to be the biggest talker. Who, who is the person that can garner the most attention by saying all kinds of cool things? That is our society. But God's society, the church, is a group of people that is hearing. Not like Adam and Eve who heard God's voice. And what did they do? They went and hid themselves, right? Why? They didn't want to face God. God is one who hears, who comes to Moses and he says to Moses at the burning bush, Moses, Moses, I have seen I have heard the cries of my people. That is a church that hears. It is an auditional church. It's a church that hears God's voice. And fifthly, it's, it's a church that is authentic. And, and that's, that's what Paul is referring to here. I want you to be authentic. Authentic not just in my presence, but in my absence also. You don't need to behave like a Christian when I'm here. I want you to be especially a Christian, Christ-like, when I'm not here. And that's what we teach our children also, right? Be authentic, be authentic. Unfortunately, 
so many Christians are not authentic. Isn't that true? That's one of the things that Gandhi said. Show me an authentic Christian and I will follow Jesus. Authenticity. Auditionality. And then work out your sanctification with fear and trembling. But it's also a church, and that's what Paul goes on to say, who d that does not practice grouchinality. Grouchinality. You know, these are good words that I've come up with. You know, They are grouches, right? Grouches that, that, that are com complaining all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians do that. You know, We hop from one church to another because... That pastor preached like that. Those people are like that. They didn't even talk to me. Look at that lady. She looked at me. That was so funny. I'm not going to go to that church. This church will do this for me. And then they'll go from one church to another because we are grouches. Unfortunately, that is true, right? We live in a capitalistic society and show me capitalistic stuff because that has to be in the church. Well, that's nothing new. In Exodus chapter 15, they sang a song and they said, Hooray! God has saved us! What happens at the end of Exodus chapter 15? Verse 24 says they grumbled against God. They grumbled against Moses. Chapter 16, they grumbled and they grumbled and they grumbled. Numbers chapter 13 and 14, Moses sends these people into the land. When they come and say, you know, God will give us this land, what do they do? They grumble again. And then, of course, in Numbers chapter 20, they again grumble. They're always grumbling. Don't ask me why, why do we grumble? Why do we grumble? I don't know. Have you seen grumbling people? We grumble all the time. And Paul says, no, don't practice grouchinality. Instead of that, keep on practicing two things. One is integrity, like Job and Noah and Abraham. The word in Hebrew is the word tamim. Practice integrity. And then practice generosity. These are very quick things I'm giving you. Be generous to the people of God. Be, be generous. You, you've been generous to me, says Paul. You, you send people to me with generosity. And I think that's so important for us to give. We are too tight-fisted because we think about our own finances and our own budget. But we need to give to people like Paul who are struggling, missionaries in, in the field. We need people of God who are generous, and unfortunately, too much of the church is takers. We have lost the art of generosity. And then finally, it's a church that is discipleship-oriented. Just like Barnabas discipled Paul. Do you know that we wouldn't have Paul if there was no Barnabas? We won't have so much of the New Testament if there wasn't one guy called Barnabas who discipled Paul. Whoever heard about Barnabas? Whenever you hear about people doing great things, there is always discipleship. Abraham discipled Isaac. Moses discipled Joshua. Naomi discipled Ruth. 
Eli discipled, Samuel, Elijah discipled, Elisha. That is how the church is built. And unfortunately, we have not got those discipleship orientation. So in closing, may I request you to pray and ask God, who do you want me to disciple? Take one person under your wing. Take one of these young people under your wing. Don't leave it all to Joe. Otherwise, they'll all become Joes. <laughs> Which would be a good thing. We don't want that. <laughs> but would we pray and say, Lord, who do you want me to disciple? That is how the church is built. It's not built on great preaching. It's not built on amazing ministry. It's built on one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And that's Redeemer Life. That's the beauty of Redeemer Life. That's one of the things I said to Pastor Peter and, and Shah and Dennis were there. You know, this is a church that believes in that togetherness. And that's why it's held together. Would you take it up a second notch? And disciple someone. And God will lead you. Would you pray? As we spend these moments in, in prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to request you to. Come before God and ask yourself the question, is my life a life of sacrificiality, love? Is my life a life of auditionality where, where I'm constantly hearing, hearing the voice of God or am I running away from the voice of God? Would you ask yourself the question, am I being authentic? Am I working out God's salvation in my life every day? Or have I reached a plateau? If we are not becoming more and more like Jesus every day, something's wrong. Would you come before God and confess and say, Lord, that's what is keeping me from you. And then would you pray about discipling someone, someone in this beautiful fellowship called Redeemer Life. O oh Lord, hear these prayers. Answer these prayers, O oh Lord, so that we would be a discipleship-oriented, ever-increasingly a discipleship-oriented church for your glory. In the name of him who taught us to disciple, Jesus our Lord, we pray. Amen.